Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Listeners, before we get started, we want to remind you that our inaugural coaching group is now open for registration. The focus of this group is your individual Project X. Cam, you want to say more about what we mean when we say Project X? Yes, Shelly, I do. So Project X is that thing that gets in that wheelhouse where it matters to us. So the stakes are higher. The expectations we put on it are higher. The meaning we attach to it is higher. And yet the external structural elements are lower. We don't have an external accountability for this. So Project X fits into this sort of category that can be really tough for those of us with ADHD. And it's something that's not just about the project people. It's about who you are. It's something that really personifies who you are as an individual, who you're becoming. It's not just about checking this box of Project X. It's learning to be successful with Project X's and Project X's in the future. But also, this group coaching effort is about learning about your own understand, own, translate. We're going to bring elements of this whole podcast and what we do together into this group coaching effort. So we're fired up, completely fired up. So back to you, Shelly. <laughs> we are fired up. So if you want to be considered for participating in this group, please visit the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the group coaching page, and there is a form at the bottom of the page for you to fill out that will allow Cam and I to start to get to know you and for us to determine if this particular group is the right fit for you. Right, because we're going to do other groups and we're going to do other time zones too, because nine o'clock at night, Eastern New York time is not a great time for people in London or UK or France or Belgrade. Or Australia. <laughs> or Australia. Or I don't know about Brazil, but we've got some Brazil listeners now. So just a shout out to you folks down there. So what Cam is saying is this is the start of what we hope to be many repeat group coaching efforts centered on different topics and at different times for those of you that this particular timing is not working out well for. Yeah. So this week, we're going to continue this conversation around building competence and confidence using Cam's Rebel model. So if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I encourage you to do that first because we give you an overview of this model. And over the next few episodes, we're going to be doing deep dives into individual parts of this model. And today, we're not going to start where you think we might start, which is at the top with the R. We're actually going to start with the L, the limit scope. It was a conversation Cam and I were having around how do you build confidence and competence as an ADHD person that reminded him about Rebel and to bring it here because of the limit scope piece and its importance. And so here's Rebel again, this acronym and you acronym haters out there. It's like, ah, another acronym? Like we've got damn, we have Rebel. We have, what else do we have? Do we have anything else? I don't think we have other acronyms. We have the six C's. That's, oh, that's right. an ac six acronym. Yeah. yeah, but it's again, these little catchy little things, you know, it's like, what the heck? I mean, I just have clients who are like, 
ah, you know, can we do something other than an acronym? Like acronyms don't work. And what I'll say is my clients, what they'll do is they'll take it and run with it, turn it into a modality or format that works for you. I had a guy who was an engineer and he would take these acronyms and kind of deconstruct them into pictures so he could understand how it worked for him. One of my like fundamental formulas that I work with my clients, it's sort of like, you know, I've come down from the mountain and I have my model and here it is. And I got a guy and he's like, Cam, that model, that doesn't work for me. I'm like, well, okay, take it and run with it. How can you make it work for you? So all these things, the fundamental elements of something like Mount Rainier is to understand that there are these four areas and that it's a real breakdown between cause and effect. But if Mount Rainier doesn't work for you, put it in a damn wave pool. It doesn't matter. Make it a beach. But it's got to have these sort of essential elements that are always consistent and at play. So back to Rebel. Rebel was something that came to me slowly after I learned about my fundamental breakdown around awareness and completion. You know the story. I'm not going to bore you with that story that happened in early 2000. I wasn't completing. I wasn't taking my goods to market all the way. I was taking them about 83%. So imagine like a baker doing things to 83%. Just imagine a cake baker. So there's some cakes that are in the mixing bowl and some are in the oven and some are out. And then you've got the frosting piece, but nothing's getting to full completion or done. You're not going to put any of those cakes into the case to be sold because they're not quite done. This was the interesting thing that I couldn't understand. Not only could I not understand I didn't even comprehend it, Shelly. I didn't know what I didn't know. And back to this whole confidence and competence thing, I was not competent around this knowledge, around this awareness, what we call unconscious incompetence. It's a level of learning. If you go and look at stages of learning, that's where we start with everything. You don't know what you don't know. With ADHD, it adds this additional veil to our awareness. This is why we do what we do here and paint these vibrant colors and pictures to give you this imagery so you can remember. You can come back to the lunch counter. You don't really know the mechanisms of the lunch counter, but you know about it. And so guess what? We're checking off this R part of Rebel. Remember to remind the brain. Because memory and all aspects of memory are at play with ADHD. And we're going to hit that in a future episode. But today, it's about limit scope. So this is what I was doing. I was like that cake baker, baking half-done cakes in all different kind of stages of completion. Like I got it halfway there, got it out of the oven. It's cooling on the rack. I put on a butter frosting, but then just not finishing. I'd walk away. So I did this thing of like, I would basically have an idea. Remember my idea generator. The idea, I'd work on it for a little bit, lose interest, and walk away. Next day, I'd wake up. There's an idea, work on it, walk away. It's like 
I'm a swimmer trying to swim all these different strokes and all these different lanes and never really getting good at any of them. And then guess what? I'm forgetting about my experience the day before, the week before, the month before. You can see how kind of this R of Rebel feeds into all the other aspects of Rebel. So I'm not remembering that limit scope is something I got to do or it's going to be useful. Okay, so here's another analogy. If you're making pasta, you're kind of forcing the pasta in through and making spaghetti, linguine, doesn't matter. One of those ones that's kind of going through. Imagine that without the ability to cut it into portions or parcels. It's just flowing. And that's what I was doing was just kind of producing work, but not cutting it up into useful portions that I could then bag, put on a truck, and send it to the store. So that part, I had the idea generator, but I didn't have above the lunch counter on Mount Rainier the ability to kind of slice and dice these things into useful portions. And so that's when I came up with this idea of limit scope or realizing, starting to realize I had to place some value or find value around this concept. Because how many of you out there are thinking, limit scope, don't tell me to limit scope. I want more. I want to do more. I want to fly closer to the sun. Give me the elixir that's going to make me more productive, more hyper-focused. There are limits there, folks. And this was my big learning. But when I started to turn my attention and be curious about limit scope, then I started to see the value of it. And it only came about through practice here. Cam, I want to share a different way that I see this manifest with my clients. So your experience was having your hands in a lot of different pots or in a lot of different cakes, as it were, to use your metaphor, without ever reaching completion. A lot of my clients are at a critical transition point in their lives, usually in their careers. They are making a pivot or making a big change or changing careers entirely. And so their manifestation can often look like overwhelm with no action at all because of the slate of potential actions that are out there on the table. And this is especially true for my entrepreneur clients or my clients who are going into a career like coaching, where there is no one set path. There is not a paved path to do what Cam and I do for a living. There are a number of different ways that one can go into this career. So again, that slate of choices or potential ways to go in and that decision fatigue, and am I doing the right thing? And is this going to get me where I want to go can cause my clients to freeze before they ever even get started. So they can't even get one cake going, much less too many cakes. So I have to interject here. There was another thing that was going on here. I couldn't distinguish between the cakes I was actually producing and the cakes I was creating in my brain. Mm. I was baking cakes and most of it was just imagination. So I appreciate you bringing that up because it wasn't like I had a workshop or I was actually doing the work. Sometimes I was doing the work, but a lot of it was this kind of entertaining ideas, taking an idea and it was all in my brain. It was all in my thoughts and work on one thing. And then, yeah, there'd be a day where 
would just get top heavy, too much overwhelm, shut down, you know, go watch Gilligan's Island. Oh, that's too dated. Sorry. I, don't, I, I just, I couldn't recall something in 2000. <laughs> yeah, Cam, I think most people still will know that Gilligan's Island is a TV show. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. So Cam, let's talk about how limiting scope can be helpful here. And I don't know how you see limiting scope, but when I talk to my clients about limiting scope, I'm using the six E's because I think commitment can be a really helpful concept in terms of limiting scope. I can give an example using this show. When Cam and I started this podcast, we agreed together, we made a commitment that we would do it weekly for one year and that we wouldn't try to add anything else on. You'll notice that the group coaching we've introduced came well after our first year. So we would just do the show weekly for one year. And we would see how that went and we would evaluate at that time. So we knew what our commitment was. We also knew what our commitment wasn't because trust me, we've got ideas. We've got lots of ideas. When Cam and I actually have five minutes to sit down and galaxy brain together, there are all sorts of potential things we want to do. But we know that now is not the time. We know that right now our focus is producing a podcast and providing an excellent group coaching experience. And the things that we want to do after that are for later, not for now. We don't want to spread our attention too thin. And we want to focus on completing well on the things that we're already doing. I really appreciate that because this goes back to confidence and competence. And that was the commitment that we had. Let's get solid on the podcast first. Because now... There's a lot of effort and energy goes into this, but we have our rhythm, our routine, we have our roles. We can kind of move through this process and it's very familiar that we have confidence and competence here in a lot of different areas. And so now it doesn't take the energy or bandwidth that it did in the first three months. The last three months have been very different than the first three months. And so we've gotten to this place realizing, okay, Now it's time to add something else that we can add. It's a measured add to this, integrating to it. I think that people with ADHD can look at sort of like, oh, I need to do something new. I need to go forth and do something new and different. And sure, there's that novelty. There's that strong signal of seeking the new thing. There's something on my prep form that I send out to my clients among about five different questions. One of them is, what are you downplaying? And it's a really good question to ask ourselves. It's the, where are you already being successful? Where do you already have competence and confidence? And to build on that. I just got off the phone with somebody where they were looking at, how do I expand and get into this market over here? Talk to this group. I was like, wait a sec. What about what you're already doing with this other group? that you're getting this practice, that her focus was over in developing a new area. It's like, let's come back to our channel that we've already developed. And that's the thing. It's sort of like in mountainscapes, there's a braided stream that kind of braids all along across a gravel bar. It is an area where the river hasn't found its channel yet. This is the whole idea of practice, is picking one or two or three channels to really dig into, to dive into. So that's limiting scope. 
Cam, you talking about that client just now reminds me of my own journey as a coach. When I started coach training, I was a professional organizer and I was facing that same question. How do I pivot an organizing business that is about working hands-on with people to transform physical spaces into a coaching business? How do you do that? And it was a conundrum that kept me stuck for a long time until I started using what I already know. Instead of making a big pivot straight from professional organizer to ADHD coach, which is where I'm at now, I started with a small pivot and focused on coaching in the areas of productivity and organizing. And this did two things for me. Number one, it allowed me to practice the craft of coaching in an area I'm already comfortable with, in an area where when appropriate to educate my clients, I have the background to do so. And coaches are not here to be experts. Limiting the expert is a coaching skill, managing your own expert. But something about managing my expert in an area where I had expertise made it easier to do. And along the way, I started developing this body of client experiences. I started having clients that were articulating their ADHD experience. I started getting practice in those areas and over time developed confidence and competence to step out of a role rooted in organizing and productivity and fully into ADHD coaching. I want to bring in a picture that I spoke of and it's some imagery and metaphors that I had in a blog post that I mentioned last week around Rebel and Limit Scope. And I think this is really appropriate here. So I want to paint a picture and talk about this limiting in a couple different ways. So ready for this, listeners? Imagine you have a melon patch, a melon patch with a wire around it or a fence around it. That melon patch is your projects. And so bear with me here. We're going to look at this melon patch of kind of like, how do things get onto your task list? How do things come into your attention or desire to want to work on it? And then how do you take them to market? How do you work on them? What tends to happen is the example of a melon is it's a project. It's a task. Our melon patches tend to be overgrown, lots of weeds. There tend to be kind of melons on top of melons. This was my dilemma was I was always adding. My idea generator would add melons. Oh, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. And the focus was on kind of adding to this. And I've said this before, like a task list, when you think about it, when you look at your task list, what's the first thing that comes to mind? If the first thing is, ah, you know, it's where my dreams go to die. Well, it might be that your melon patch is too big because there are things that are sitting there that have been sitting there too long. And what happens when a melon sits too long and starts to rot? So first of all, two parts in the sense of how do things get into your patch? Often we've got a big patch and we've got a couple holes in our fence where things can kind of come in. People will hand off stuff to us. Notice that we tend to do things that are important for others and not necessarily things that are important to us. Hence the group coaching effort around Project X is that we'll kind of like, sure, I'll do it because we're looking at ways to add value. And this is a way we can add value is to quickly grab something from someone else, do it for them to the detriment of our own stuff. And so we'll accept things from others. 
will also go out and seek other things to bring in because, again, here's the stuff that's in our melon patch and we're not really interested in it anymore. So walking the perimeter of your melon patch, walking through it and starting to pull out those rotting melons and really just take them out. Maybe you don't have to do them. Back to the six C's and commitment, Shelley. You know, a commitment three years ago, something doesn't mean that it's still relevant. To go ahead and really assess what's relevant, what's going to make a difference, and slim down that list, slim down, prune out and glean out the weeds and the rotting melons. How can you re-energize them? How can you talk to someone to kind of get around what that is? And then what's my role here? Back to kind of my swim lane or my specific add value to this project. We try to do too much. We try to do this lone ranger where it's like, I got to do this. So there's the melon patch. Kind of like, how do things come onto your task list? Then it's how do you get them off? And imagine a 10-story apartment building next to that melon patch. What, Cam? Yeah, bear with me. And there's a door. You open that door and basically taking the melon from the ground floor to the top floor is finishing that project. So back to baking a cake, all the steps of baking that cake to go from mixing the ingredients and then putting it into the case and then taking the $10 bill from somebody, or maybe it's more $30 now for a full cake, right? To have that exchange and you get rewarded for that completion. That's taking it all the way to the top. What happens is we have lots of stairwells and lots of doorways. We'll go and like, well, I could do this. I go up this stairwell. When you talk about, Shelly, I'm going to focus on this stairwell, this stairwell around coaching and really staying in this area around productivity and organization. So you're getting practice going up and down this stairwell. Now, ready for this kicker? This is the big one. Be listening, people. Our stairwells are different. Pause for effect. <laughs> our stairwells are different. When you look up our stairwell, there's something missing. Ten stories, looking up, there's one important feature that is missing. And that is the landings. We don't see landings. They're not a natural phenomenon for us. They're a structural element where you can go and rest, put a melon down, leave it there for another day. We're looking up and all we see is the end. So we sprint as quickly as we can and hope that we can get to that top floor when in fact we often fall short, run out of juice. And then what happens with a melon if we put it on a stairway? not on a landing. Not good. Melons don't fit on stairs, on the riser. They start to fall and break, and it's a mess. Ah, ah, there's this broken melon. So now you're in a stairwell, a dark stairwell, broken melons, and people are passing you more melons. And now all we do is like, we're just moving melons. What's the point? So here's another limit scope piece is to build out landings. Pomodoro does this really nicely with a Pomodoro in the sense of the 25-minute work session. That is a completion period based on time. So you can break it down by time. You can break it down by the task. This goes back to my pasta extruder 
and being able to cut it into usable sections. This is a foreign concept for us with ADHD because we're so fluid there. We're just like, let's go, light the engine. We're not about cutting and dicing and packaging, but finding a way to kind of take that melon too and stop before you run out of juice. Put her down and leave it there because then you leave it on the landing, you can come back to it and pick it up again. I've got multiple stairways right now and multiple melons on each stairway. I've got multiple engagements and I'm feeling a little overextended right now, Shelly, but I got it going. And the other thing is I have the awareness that I'm at a limit. So you can see how limit scope sort of works on so many different levels from where you're working, your area of expertise, and then what is your number of completions you're going to be doing. And finally, just this overarching sense of what are my limits? What is too far? Because when we get overextended, then we're susceptible to overwhelm and prefrontal collapse. (laughs) (laughs) And then back to watching reruns. I appreciate you articulating the number of different ways one can look at limit scope. And I'll throw in one more. Cam, you and I both sort of operate on a number of things per day limit system, whether it's clients, classes, meetings, podcast recording. You and I both have a number of things per day that we know if we extend beyond that. First of all, if we extend up to that limit, we know it's going to be a day. If we extend beyond that, we know it's not going to go well for us. So even there, knowing what's possible in the span of a day and on a day that I'm up to my limit in things on my calendar, I also know that that is not a day that I'm going to get any work outside of those events done. That will be my limit for the day is those events, that work, those meetings, those clients. I love that because, you know, I'm holding my half sheet of paper right here. And I have to have it every single day. This half sheet of paper has the things that are the absolute necessary things that I need to do and want to do today. And that process of getting to this half sheet of paper is, again, going back to the plethora of ideas and going through a process of capturing, categorizing, prioritizing, and really locating those melons on my landings and what needs emphasis today? And what can I kick off down the road later? I think the thing for our listeners to be thinking about is not necessarily engaging with these strategies here, but starting with identifying where are your limits to recognize when you tip over into overwhelm and identify what is that quantitatively and qualitatively? What's going on for you? And what are your numbers? Interestingly enough, there's two days where I don't see clients at all. I see clients and I teach mostly on three days out of the week. And so those two days, I'm really focused on the home front and supporting my kids around their homeschooling now with remote learning. And I look to that as a break it gives me a break so I can really limit scope and put my efforts and energy into those three days of work. But then I know if I had that full load for five days, 
I'd be walking into the weekend as an absolute mess. So really concentrating my efforts and limiting scope, kind of parking these cars in certain spots and leaving some other spots open. Well said, Cam. And as you know, I do something similar. I do four days a week, but I do not take clients on Fridays. And that has been an incredibly important practice for me. And the subtle differences between the way we approach this also speaks to why individual experience and manifestation matters. You work extremely hard for three days. I work a little less hard for four. (laughs) And that's what works for each of us individually. Yeah, not that I'm not doing work on those other days, administrative work. It's not that I'm only working three days. I'm only working with clients and teaching on those three days. Right. right? And so I think that's a number of things difference is I do slightly less number of things over four days instead of three because that works better for me. Whereas Mm -hmm. you do better compacting your things like clients and teaching into those three days to give yourself more administrative time. Right. And it's also what my wife and I have come to an agreement around of how we're going to address and approach raising kids and working together. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that to say that when we tell you about our experiences or our client experiences, it's not necessarily to prescribe strategy. It's to evoke curiosity about what is going to work for you in your situation. And to Cam's point, with the other people in your immediate sphere, in your household, the people that you are partnered with. Cam, I think that's a great place for us to wrap for today. I don't think we're done with limit scope. And again, as we keep going with Rebel, what I was noticing, Shelly, was it kind of like they each inform each other. So as we look at limit scope, it's the remembering to remind my brain that limit scope is a good idea. If I don't pay attention to it, it's going to bite me in the butt. That a balanced attack, and kind of keeping that expansive mindset. So as we go forward, we're going to fold all of these back into each other, and we're going to revisit limit scope again. Absolutely. So if you like what we're doing here on the show, there are a couple of ways that you can engage with us directly. The first is to become a patron. Visit the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link. And for $5 a month, you can join our Discord community where we talk with our listeners about episodes, where we do a monthly live Q&A, and where our listeners are working together to do their own understand, own, translate work. The second is the group coaching that we talked about at the start of this episode. If you're interested in being a participant in that coaching group, visit the website, click on the group coaching link. Finally, if you want to help us grow, the best way you can help the show is to leave a rating and review wherever you listen. That helps other people find us and find the show. And until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Kim. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.